What up, world? It's your pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. I got a fun show planned for you today. I want to talk about CJ moving into the top 10 of the Blazers' all-time scoring list and what that means for his legacy in terms of place in franchise lore. I want to talk a little about fun with numbers. Looking at some NBA tracking data to find some early trends in the Blazers' season. One that surprised me and I bet will surprise you. And then I want to close out the show talking about after two Trailblazers beatdowns, rolling over bad teams, what lies ahead for them this week. It's about the closest you'll get on this show to a game preview. So that's what we're going to do today. If you are new to this podcast, welcome. I'm so, so happy to have you along along for the ride. It means a lot to me that you would take time out of your day to listen, or even if you're just multitasking, to put me in your ears. I truly, truly appreciate it. But uh, this isn't a place we're going to find traditional recaps. Uh, since we last spoke, the Blazers beat the snot out of a bad Kings team, 125-99 in Sacramento. That's about as close as you're going to get to a traditional recap here. It's just not how I do it. Uh, I don't find it to be informative. There are other places on the internet where you can find game recaps. And chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you watch the dang game. You know what happened. If we need to talk about things and break them down in depth, I'm not afraid of that. But going quarter by quarter or through the box score for uh, 72 games a season is not what we're going to do here. I don't find it instructive. And I just say that as a way to, uh, to set your expectations for what you're about to hear. Longtime listeners know the deal, but I'm, you know, I'm giving you 35 seconds to kind of get your get your mind in the right spot. This ain't a recap podcast. It's not a recap show. It's not a preview show. It's a Blazers podcast where we talk about the team. We're going to try to get in big picture stuff by talking about little picture details. That is my approach. That's what we're going to do. And so we're going to start here in this first segment talking about CJ McCollum, who had 37 points against the Bulls. He continues to just roll through teams. 6 of 11 from the three-point line. He's averaging 11 three-point attempts a game this year. A career year for CJ in the early going. He's been as good as he's ever been. Like, just that's just what he, what he has been. And with that 37 points, he moved, with, he moved to number 10, the all-time Blazers scoring list. If he just scores normally and is healthy, he is going to be fifth all-time in scoring by the end of this season. The names he's going to pass are Michael Thompson, Jeff Petrie, Jim Paxson, Jerome Kersey, and then Cliff Robinson. Most likely, when this year ends, there will be five names ahead of CJ, excuse me, four names ahead of CJ on the list. Terry Porter, LaMarcus Aldridge, Damian Lillard, Clyde Drexler. Those top three, Clyde, Damon, LA, are probably the three best players in franchise history. Uh, Bill Walton belongs on Mount Rushmore. He's certainly one of the four best players in history. I don't think anyone's ever been as good as Bill Walton was in from 1976 until he got hurt in 1978. Like, I don't think anyone's touched that height. He was the best player in the league. But longevity has to matter. Um, he certainly is one of the great players in franchise history, but I, for me, long, I'm, I'm a longevity guy. LaMarcus had a better Blazer career than Walton did. So I say all this to say, when you are on the list and the only names ahead of you are Drexler, Lillard, Aldridge, and Porter, you deserve to have your place in the franchise rankings, pantheon, whatever it is considered. And I think the way CJ has started this year and, and, and 
the way he's climbing up the record books has made me personally, a long time kind of CJ is good but not great type of person, reconsider what I what I think about sort of where CJ belongs on these lists and on my consideration. Like CJ is one of the 20 best players to ever uh, wear a Blazer uniform and he's making a pretty compelling case to be one of the 15 best, if not one of the 10 best players in the history of the franchise. I don't think I would have thought of that prior to the way he started the season. It is nine games, y'all. I know. I just, I started this by lecturing listeners about how I don't do game recaps, and now I'm saying nine games in, CJ is one of the 10 best players in franchise history. These may be incongruous. <laughs> I, I recognize that. But I really do, I really do think that he, CJ has taken the sort of uh, steps forward this year that, make you think, oh, yeah, this isn't just a pretty good dude who was a nice sidekick for, for you know, one of the all-time greats, but this is a Terry Porter type. This is someone who is, whose jersey will you'll want in the rafters even if it never gets there because he's such a special part of this team. He was always going to be tied to Dame in sort of legacy stuff, but, but he's... He is convincing me that I should, um, t when I take a wider view of where CJ's place is with within this current team and with sort of the franchise at large, that I should maybe put some more respect on his name. Now, he's averaging 28 points and 5 assists. Like, he's putting up Damian Lillard-type numbers. There's not a lot of dudes who have done that in, in a Blazers uniform. I don't think CJ's going to average 28 and 5 for the year. Maybe the 5 might stay. Um, he's He's... he's been smarter about passing the ball but beyond just sort of the obvious counting numbers he's he's also just sort of stepped up his his efficiency profile he's averaging about 35 percent more three-point attempts 11 a game when his previous career high was a little over seven a game uh he's he's making a he's making a bunch of those but in addition he's he's averaging a career high of uh in free throw attempts uh his you know he's he He's averaging a career high in effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentage. Uh, effective field goal percentage is basically field goal percentage, but accounting that for three-point shots being worth 50% more. And true shooting percentage is essentially the same thing when factoring in uh, the value of free throw shooting. I mean, he's just been, he just has raised his, he's raised the things that he was, he needed to, to become more efficient. He's taken them all to the, to sort of um, the next the next step that I didn't think he could get to. And so what, why I'm saying is that in some ways this season has been a referendum and, and last night when passing it, get, you know, passing Rashid Wallace to become, uh, you know, the 10th leading scorer in franchise history became sort of a, my own personal referendum on where I think CJ belongs on the Blazers pantheon. So this, I'm, I'm doing the segment as much as for myself as I am for you all. I have kind of been consistent that I think CJ McCollum is, is really, really good, but not great. And the longer he puts up these type of numbers in a Blazers uniform, the more that the part of my brain that wants to reward consistency and longevity sees a guy who averaged, you know, 20 points per game over now six consecutive seasons and, and played in 80% of the games, was available and was consistently a great scorer, and now has raised that scoring profile to meet the modern game in a way that maybe it didn't in the past. He's, he is going, he does. It's not like these nine games have wildly changed my opinion of C.J. McCollum, but they have forced me to confront my doubts. So while I'm not banging the C.J. as an all-star drum, everyone get the hell out of the way, what I'm saying is this. 
He's been fantastic this year, undeniably fantastic. I'm not, we'll worry about midseason awards when, say, they've played 15 games. We'll give it six more games. But for me, the any doubts I had about what CJ McCollum, where he could go, I think the thing, I think the thing I've been most critically um, critical of him is like he's kind of a finished product. Well, he's adding new he's adding new things to the resume, and he's taking that pretty good finished product to the next level. And last night was a reminder. Him moving to the tenth all time in scoring list is a reminder. Like this dude is really good, and when you can zoom out far enough, you can start to appreciate what that looks like. So. Cheers to CJ. He's going to be, you know, a top five score in franchise history when the season is done. And he has forced at least one podcaster based in North Portland to rethink some of his career criticisms of a really, really good blazer. Speaking of rethinking stuff, in the second segment, I want to share with you some info from the NBA's publicly available tracking data. They track types of plays and record it for players. And there's something in there that I thought I was going to, I thought I was going to be able to point one direction. Turns out I'm pointing the other way. A real surprise for your boy, and I better be a real surprise for you too. So let's talk about that in the second segment. Before we get there, I want to tell y'all about Built Bar. Look, I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon. And prior to recording this, I munched down on a delicious built bar. The flavor was carrot cake with walnuts. And y'all, right here in the ad copy, it says that built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And let me tell you, this carrot cake flavor was was fantastic. Off the chains. Do people still say that? Off the meat rack. They definitely don't say that anymore. That's from 1997. But I'm bringing it back because that's how good it was. I want to I want to turn back time. That's how good this carrot cake flavor was. I was going to tell you all that that Built Bar's delicious regardless. Like I'm a I'm good at ad reads. So I was going to read the copy that they sent your boy, but I'm just telling you from my heart. I got a box of Built Bars right here and the one I ate today was fantastic and made me excited to eat more. It's covered in chocolate. It's got that candy bar like texture and frankly I got a box sitting right here, and I'm excited to crack into the other flavors. All of them. Every last one of them. It's high protein, high fiber, low sugar, and low calorie. The carrot cake flavor I ate today has got 18 grams of protein. It's a lot of bang for your buck. So take my word and take my promo code. That's locked on. Travel over to BuiltBar.com. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's Promo code locked on L O C K E D O N for twenty percent off at builtbar.com. All right. So we talked CJ McCollum. He's been so good this year that I am having to uh, I'm having to rethink his his whole legacy. I'm having to rethink many of my criticisms. He's been fantastic this year, and you know he's he's an all-time great blazer and maybe i didn't maybe i needed something as simple as a top 10 list to really say yo mike he's a he, this dude is an all-time great blazer and you need to sh- you need to sh- put some respect on his name but transitioning away from cj mccollum and references to birdman that maybe not maybe not all of my listeners appreciate uh i want to i want to talk about here in the second segment as promised some tracking data i looked up a bunch of tracking numbers some play the NBA.com has publicly available like play type numbers. So I 
I wanted to look up specific play types for players in the Blazers roster, and I was gonna I was gonna have this whole thing harping on Carmelo Anthony not not posting up anymore. And I feel strongly that Carmelo Anthony posts up way too freaking much. Against the Kings, he had a couple nice plays, even one where he caught it in the post, faced up, and beat his man, uh, Nemanja Belica, to the rim, got an and one, or maybe just got fouled, didn't, didn't actually make the bucket, but I think he's posting up too much, particularly at 18 feet. And I don't think that's a play that Terry Stotts calls, so the, the people saying, like, why is Stotts calling so many post-ups? Stotts calls reads, and if you run a two-man game with him and Dame, Dame is allowed to make that read, and when they switch it, he's reading to throw it in the post, and it's just happening too damn much. So what I was going to do in this space was I was going to say, here are the numbers that say why Carmelo Anthony should stop posting up, and I still believe it, <laughs> but here's the problem. I was going to harp on him just taking spot-up shots, like, yo, Melo, Stop posting up because you're not as good at it as you are as a spot-up shooter. But here's the thing. The numbers and the eye test don't exactly line up. Carmelo Anthony is significantly more efficient on post-touches than he is as a spot-up player early in the season. And that, folks, is a, a troubling and surprising stat for me. Here are the numbers according to NBA.com. Carmelo Anthony is averaging two and a half spot-up plays a game. It's about 21% of his possessions are spot-up possessions, and he is scoring 0.9 points per possession on spot-up shots. That's in the 38th percentile in the league. That is well below average for those of you scoring at home. His uh, his effective field goal percentage on spot-ups is 50%. That's not terrible. Um it's not great though. That is that's not exactly what you want. For um for comparison's sake, CJ McCollum on spot ups, 68.5%. Just uh, just at Damon Lord, 70% on, on spot ups. Anthony Simons, a guy maybe not you don't think of as this knockdown deadly shooter, 55% on spot ups. These are all effective field goal percentage numbers. This it's all of this is to say is that my gut instinct and from watching the game that I would have assumed that Carmelo Anthony was not a more efficient scorer as a post-up player than a spot-up shooter. I've given you those spot-up numbers. Like I said, he's he's just bad. He's a below-average player in, in spot-up situations, which is maybe not maybe not totally surprising because he's had some bad shooting nights, but I would have expected that he would have been more efficient there than in the post. And here's the thing. I I was going to, I was ready, y'all. I was ready when I woke up this morning to look this number look this stuff up and give you 10 impassioned minutes about stop posting mellow up and and i still believe it <laughs> y'all I, I haven't really changed my opinion based on uh nine games of of tracking data but i am surprised by what i learned by looking this stuff up i think um you know numbers obviously don't tell the whole story and what you what you watch and there's some bad moments uh, i think there's some imperfections in the tracking data too like um spectrum is probably the publicly available spectrum data is probably not exactly perfect but but it says what it says so you know that Carmelo Anthony is a below-average spot-up player, but here's the thing. In eight games so far this season, Melo's posting up about four possessions a game. It's about a third of his a third of his possessions that he uses. And by uses, it means shoots, gets the free throw line, turns it over. 34% frequency. He's averaging 1.16 points per possession on post-ups. That's the 84th percentile in the league. That's pretty good. Like, the numbers suggest that Carmelo Anthony posting up's actually fine, which is not what my eyes see. Uh, for for uh, comparison's sake here, 
Uh, Anna Scanter, an absolute beast in the post, uh, doesn't post up that frequently, only 1.4 possessions a game, about 16.5% of his possessions, but he averages 1.46 points per possession. That's in the 96th percentile. He is elite in the post. Uh, Ennis is a beast. That does match up with the eye test, right? Like he bullies fools. Um, and he has great touch around the rim. And he's a really, he's just a really good offensive player with in, in that style. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't do it much because they don't have the sort of reverence for Cantor of say, uh, dump it in the post. Uh, Mello has, Mello has commanded the respect of his teammates and he's, he gets more post touches because of it. But he scores more than half the time when he posts up, 56.3%, he scores out of the post. So look, I I think over time, maybe these things will correct itself, but this is not what I was expecting. What I And, and, and why I bring it to you here is not to say, whoops, your boy was wrong. I, I, don't, I don't think my eyes totally deceive me. I just think, um, I think there's a happy medium in here against certain, certain players. Carmelo Anthony can post up. If he gets deeper down in the block, Carmelo Anthony, valuable posting up. If he can start with posting and then use his quickness to beat a, uh, to beat a bigger defender or, or only post up when he can bully a truly littler defender when he gets a little bit deeper in the post, those are good plays. And maybe he's been, maybe he's had more of those than I have noted when I've just, you know, just watching him without charting all those touches. But I think the core of what I was going to rail against here remains true. There are some bad post touches that Melo could cut down out of his diet and he'd be better off. I think the real takeaway here is that Carmelo Anthony has not been a problem on offense. He's been fine. Um, the problem is on the other end of the court. He's probably playing too much because he can't defend at this stage in his career. But he's he's been a totally useful to to date based on his based on basically these numbers that I'm looking at and his and his true shooting percentage on the year. He's he's a totally effective offensive player at this stage in his career. That is not the issue for the Blazers. So that's my Carmelo Anthony rant that went the direction I didn't expect it to go. Some other um, some other good tracking data stuff. Um, th- there's just a lot of things that suggest that Nurk has been bad. Nurk has looked better. Um, he's looked a lot better since uh, over the last three games. So I, I don't want to just spend the last five minutes here telling you Nurk has been bad. But Nurk's been terrible out of the post. Nurk has not been good as a role man. And those are the two ways he's going to score. He's in the 45th percentile of uh, points per possession as a role man. He's worse in pick and rolls than uh, than Cantor is. And it's it's about 28% of the Blazers, uh, 28% of Nurk's plays. Um, he's he's like he's he's catching the ball as a role man and and uh, and shooting. I think it's he'll get better there. I'm not worried, but there's just a lot of numbers that says that he's, he's not great right now. I think that's, I think that's pretty interesting. The other thing is that, um, the Blazers wings who were supposed to provide a little bit of three and D, uh, they're the Blazers defense has been bad. Neither Covington or Derek Jones Jr. Has shot it. Well, I mean, you can just look at the regular box score for that, but, um, as spot up players, which is where a lot of their offense is going to come from. If you're running pick and roll and running, you know, CJ or Dame kind of take, turns I, I know that's not maybe how we all want them to play offense but it's how they do it for right now um it means Covington and Derek Jones spotting up in the wing both of them really bad really bad in spot ups uh Covington less than a point 0.81 points per possession uh 23rd percentile in the league shooting uh, an effective field goal percentage of 43 percent Derek Jones Jr. effective field goal percentage of 42.9 percent a shade under 43 18th percentile in the league 0.78 points per possession on spot ups the Blazers offense it has been fine like they're they're a good offensive team pushing towards an elite offensive team and they can get better Nurk can play better uh Derek Jones Jr. and Covington particularly Covington can shoot better and 
Mello can uh, change his diet of shots up a little bit to um, only take the the valuable post ups. Um, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Mello's good out of the post and I should trust the numbers, but I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm not. I'm just not. So I think the good news, it, the good news hidden in the bad news is that the Blazers right now are an elite offensive team because Damon and CJ have been so good, particularly CJ, just um, fantastic out of the gates. But there are just a lot of obvious things that suggest that this team can get better. Speaking of getting better, the Blazers have a fun week ahead. Four games on the docket. I want to talk about those games. That's what we'll do to close out the show. What's what's the week ahead look like for your Trailblazers? But before we get there, I want to tell you all about betonline.ag. First round of the NFL playoffs are in the books. Games are getting even more important heading into next week. NBA's in full swing. Games all around the association every other night. So if you want to get in on that action, there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust here at Locked On Podcast Network. That's betonline.ag. So sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Like I said, sports are here, y'all. Like the basketball's here, football's heating up. By the time you listen to this college, uh, the college national championship, college football national championships happen maybe right now. So get to betonline.ag. Get in on that action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked On Blazers. And if you like this show, why not check out Locked On Bets? a new show on the network that helps you eliminate the guessing game from betting on your favorite team. The show's hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You'll get daily picks, quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. So subscribe to Locked on Bets podcast, which is brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you already get podcasts. Speaking of podcasts, uh, our Our weekly mailbag podcast comes out on Monday evenings. I record on Mondays, post it on Tuesdays. It's called Mailbag Monday. If you're new to the program, there's two ways to get involved. Tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich, or shoot me an email, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. All right, so we talked CJ McCollum. Um, I am sort of recalibrating where I think CJ ranks among the Blazers' all-time greats. And maybe I'm overreacting to a really hot nine games, but I think what I am is I'm saying, I'm looking at these nine games and I'm like, man, he's playing way better than he ever has. And then I look back at his past and be like, man, he's been, he's been good for a while. Maybe I'm just a hater. Um, I am just a hater is the thing. So I think re- revisiting why I'm a hater is a valuable, um, a valuable exercise for me. We talked tracking data. I was going to yell at Carmelo Anthony for posting up, and now I'm just saying, okay, post up when it's more advantageous because you're obviously totally okay at it still. Another thing I mentioned uh, in the earlier in the podcast was I don't usually use the space to do traditional game recaps. I'm not going to do that here. That's not what this end of this the end of the show is. I'm not going back on my word just 20 minutes later, but. I just don't think it's super valuable. Like, I mean, the Blazers lost to the Bulls. They look terrible. Everyone defied fire Terry Stotts. Now they've rolled over two bad teams. I think the loss to the Bulls is more instructive than beating two bad teams. But winning blowouts is important. That's what good teams do. They take care of business so games aren't competitive. Uh, The most clutch thing you can do is avoid clutch situations. Typically, I also think game-to-game, like, game-to-game reactions, game-to-game 
breakdowns it just it, it it leads itself to overreacting and i i don't want to do that here the se- the season is long um the blazer star is unusually patient so let's follow dame's lead when we uh when we think about this team also it it's better for your blood pressure this <laughs> is just health advice from your boy but the blazers after two beatdowns um those were not meaningful games. They would have been meaning, very meaningful if the Blazers lost, but I don't think we sort of learned a lot from them winning. Like I said, uh, beating beating teams is good. You want to winning big is the sign of good teams. So I'm not taking anything away from them there. I'm just saying, like as fans or as analysts or whatever, we we probably didn't learn a whole lot. But I think this week has a opportunity to be to really tell us sort of where the Blazers are. Uh, this this schedule for. Um, in, in January, we've talked about it before in this podcast, has, is relatively soft, but I think this week has some real challenges, even if they're home games. Starts with Monday against the Toronto Raptors, who are actually playing right now on Sunday night as I record this show. And uh, so they'll be on a second night of a back-to-back. That's that's a um, that's a real, uh, real boon for the old trailblazers. But the Raptors, you know, they started terrible. I think it was their fourth worst start in in. Uh, in in franchise history, but they're playing a lot, but they've started playing a lot better since then, no doubt about it. Uh, so even if they end up losing to the Warriors tonight and have lost two of three to begin this road trip, they just look better. This is going to be a tough test. And they're the type of sort of long athletic team that might give the Blazers uh, real trouble. I think that's, um, you know, playing against a team that has gone deep into the playoffs, won a championship two years ago, still has that core together um, and is playing better basketball. That'd be a really nice test for the Blazers, even with a rest advantage. Uh, the Blazers back to Sacramento after that. That. the Kings might stink uh that's a game you got to win if you're looking at this if you're looking at this week and the Blazers uh famously kind of break things into five game segments so I guess technically Toronto is the end of a five game segment and then Sac- the at sack game is is the beginning of the next one but um you know for our purposes we'll just look at it for the week uh you're looking at this week that's a that's the one you have to win even if it's the only one on the road like that's that's a team that's maybe bad who you just handled you want to go back there and handle it again that game is followed by a game against the Indiana Pacers, who are like a really good defensive team under first-year coach Nate Bjorkren. Uh, they, he's from the sort of like Toronto world of defense, um, and he has brought that Toronto Raptors uh, defensive plan to, with him to uh, Indiana. They fly around. They uh, they really protect the rim. They've done a really good job of preventing uh, three-point attempts. They're just a, they're really good. Demontis Sabonis is really good. They play traditionally big, which um, the Blazers don't this year so it'll be interesting to see how um terry stoss chooses to match up with that uh chances are he will not change his starting lineup to do so which is fine i guess but the pacers are good like that's a good game against a good team i think that's a really of of all four games i want to talk about here that's the game i'm most curious in because um at home against an against an eastern conference opponent you want to take care of those traditionally these are games you want to you know take care of that's you want to put that in the win column but that's a really good team and i think it'll be a nice test for sort of where the blazers are at they close this week uh, home against the uh, Atlanta Hawks, who are str- scuffling a little bit. But be ready for like a Kajillion Trey and roll, pick, Trey and roll, Trey Young pick and rolls. Uh, they the Hawks haven't looked great. They really can't defend anyone, but they can when they're really firing on all cylinders. They can really score. They're dealing with some health issues, which will sort of um, limit some of their offensive firepower. But they they can play. I mean, that's that's a team. They're just good enough on offense to beat anybody. That's that's just um, the long and short of it. They're bad enough on defense to lose to anybody too. Uh, that's it is it is maybe familiar to you, dear Blazer fans. So all of this is to say these mini previews is to say that. 
I don't think we learned anything last week. Steph Curry went nuts. I know that people were mad at Terry Stotts and mad at the team after that, but I, I, I've watched that. I've watched the highlights from Steph. I just don't know what necessarily when a player of his caliber gets going, what you can do against him. The Bulls game was really troubling. That was the first time of the season that I thought Terry Stotts might get fired for this. Maybe I didn't think he was going to get fired like on Thursday morning, but I thought like uh, the easiest thing to do is change at this point when you don't have any, you've traded away your first round picks and loaded up your roster is to change the coach. But then they rolled over two teams and it doesn't feel like Terry Stotts' job is all of a sudden in great, a great deal of jeopardy. This seems like maybe a less lesson in patience for a team that was supposed to be good and looks better. I don't think we learned anything last week. I think this week is a chance to learn things. I think the Toronto game is a really good test. I think the Sacramento at Sacramento is a great taking care of business. You just need to win this if you're a serious team. And then two nice games against um, Indiana and Atlanta, two teams that are that are going to be, you know, Indiana is a playoff team. Uh, Atlanta is a playoff hopeful. And I think that it, it's a really good chance to see sort of where the Blazers are. And, uh to date, they've been so up and down, and some of their losses have been so bad that they're kind of just throw them out. It's like, oh, they got they got absolutely housed by the Clippers. Okay, cool. Outlier, weird outlier game. They suck. They're not as good as that team, but there isn't sort of like there aren't. You know, you're down 25. There's not a lot of sort of learnable data. You get housed by the Jazz on opening night. Not a lot of sort of learnable moments. Bad loss to the Bulls. You can learn something from that. Blowout wins. I don't know if you can. I think this week is a chance to learn things, and I think. That's what I hope we get to do this week. I hope I hope we get to sort of see the Blazers play against good teams and continue to develop the identity that, the identity that they think they can be. They think they can be an elite offense. Well, they kind of think they can be a top ten defense. But on this podcast, we're at a little we'll dial it back a little bit. But an elite offense and a, and an, a league average defense. They are after these two wins, they're trending in that direction. And I think playing against good teams at home this week is a chance to to solidify your identity. We are an elite offensive team that no one can slow down. And on the other end, we're kind of an average defense that'll make it a little bit hard. If these games are all shootouts, it's a bad sign. And it's and it's we're back to having podcasts about Terry Stotts' job. If this week is is competitive games where the Blazers show a little bit of grit on the defensive end and maybe a little bit of um, ingenuity in how they match up with teams and how they how Stotts handles lineups, then we're talking about, you know, this is a good team headed in the right direction or this is a good team that got unlucky a couple times. I, I, I think this is a week to learn stuff and I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, Mailbag Monday is tomorrow. If you're listening to this late Sunday evening or Monday morning, uh, and you want to get involved in our mailbag show, tweet at me at Mike G. Rich or send me an email lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. But most importantly, and I say this very earnestly as the Blazers are now nine games into their season, tell your friends about this podcast. I want to make this the best Blazers podcast that it can possibly be. And part of that starts with reaching a big old audience so people can give me feedback and I can give y'all what you want. So tell your friends about Locked on Blazers. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.